My name is my name is my name is my name is Anwar on Anwar on Anwar 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 Dr. Anwar Osborne Dr. Matthew Wheatley This is Pomscast What's up guys? Uh, welcome to a- another exciting Pomscast episode. Uh, I'm here as always with my colleague Dr. Matthew Wheatley. How's it going? And we took a short break, uh, so this makes it like I don't know, fourth or fifth season. Yeah, you went you went skiing a couple times. Went skiing. The holidays. Um, actually, you know, we actually have, believe it or not, some interviews in the can that uh, I kind of missed my season deadline on. So I got a uh, Mike Ronovsky interview that maybe we can uh, we can intro next time uh, about uh, OBS billing. Uh, that was actually really interesting. Uh, so we got a lot of stuff, exciting stuff plan for this season and furthermore this year actually uh so uh amongst other things dr wheatley is going to be taking over as the uh chair of the asap obs uh, section right yeah that'll be in uh early november uh at asap in uh san diego wow so, that's a big deal fun. um also in uh the the more national policy OBS world, we got uh, what I think are, are three big things uh, for the section one. We have uh, this uh, psych OBS paper or psych OBS data that um, we kind of put together into a smaller abstract. We got to write a manuscript. And uh, the, the other thing that we got working on is the... Um, uh, we got in with the EDBA, the we used to call it ADOBA, it's the Emergency Department Benchmark Alliance. Yeah. They uh, put some OBS questions in there, and hopefully at the end of the day, we won't have to fall back on this statement of only a third of the departments in the country have an observation unit, because there's probably more, um, but that that information is forthcoming. Uh, yeah, that's really old data, um, so it's, you know, it's... It, it's hard to say that with a straight face, but it's the best thing we got so far. Right. So uh, I'm excited about finding out the answers there. And um, the other thing we did, uh, this probably won't work out. Hopefully it does. Um, we put in for a section grant uh, to make a OBS promotional video. So if you're an OBS person or OBS director, then you can... Uh, Use the video and kind of show it to patients. That's the goal, anyway, and kind of describe, you know, the benefits of OBS, uh, not just from the standpoint of like, oh, it saves money and time, blah blah blah, but you know, um, from the one-person perspective, uh, somebody may be able to spend an extra day with their kids, not have to take off of work, stuff like that. So, uh, lots of things happening. That's good. Yeah, good stuff coming up. Uh, we also have the observation. Uh, Science and Solutions Conference. Oh yeah, that's right. Which that's is right. Uh, which is uh, going to be back in Charleston this year, uh, and that is November first and second. That's right. right. That's going to be uh, exciting. We're still working on the agenda right now. Uh, I can tell you this: that uh, we're going to have a research quality forum. Uh, right. So uh, if you get a, a chance and you're uh, really listening and engaged. Maybe you are, maybe you aren't. But uh, just to this remind you. This is for you. you, Mom. I know you're listening. <laughs> Mom, if you got an abstract, please. <laughs> please. <laughs> send it on in. But uh, uh, send us uh, your proposal uh, at uh, pobservation. That's uh, P and then observation at gmail.com. You can also send questions to the show, et cetera, et cetera, using that uh, email also. I check it um, every day. 
essentially. So, and we'll have more information as the conference uh, gets a little more organized and mm-hmm. and the portal for registration is up. We'll have more information about that. Um, the registration will be through the Michigan College of Observa- uh, Emergency Medicine or MSEP website. Right. Yeah, so, uh, I'm pretty excited about yeah. that. So. Uh, Today we got a pretty special interview, um, one of our own residents here in Emory. Yeah, uh, Emma Sizemore, um, she's third-year resident and uh, actually is going to be staying on next year as faculty. Um, she's been working with our toxicology group on uh, opiate uh, withdrawal slash uh, outpatient treatment clinic, and they've been using... Uh, the the ED OBS unit for folks who present to the ED um, with you know in the spectrum of withdrawal basically to uh, get them onto Suboxone and then get them plugged into clinic. Yeah, I listened to the interview. We um, uh, were having some technical difficulties. When I say we, I mean me. It's my fault. It's but not your fault. <laughs> I uh, I really um, uh, so I really was more the role of the audio engineer. But uh, you know, she shared some pretty interesting data. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the the nuts and bolts of the pathway? Um, first of all, I guess just as background information. Um, you know, the question is, why would you do this? Why would we use OBS beds for this indication? Uh, the answer mainly is that we had a very uh, committed and invested toxicology group uh, that saw a need uh, in their patients that they are, that they are serving uh, and saw an opportunity um, to use kind of use some observation space as a kind of a controlled detox for folks that present to the ED. So I guess that is the first bit. Um, obviously, the op- opioid epidemic is affecting every community in the country. Um, you know, obviously some more than others. Um, but I would say don't necessarily think that this is the next thing you need to do in your OBS unit um, if you don't have a robust uh, clinic and uh, and tox folks to uh, help out. Specifically, um, here, uh, Suboxone is a Schedule X drug, so you need um, that kind of DEA license to be able to prescribe it, uh, which our toxicologists have, but most uh, emergency physicians do not. Um, so you need that level of support. And as uh, Dr. Sizemore shared, uh, the second half of this uh, is that, and, and really maybe it's more than just a half, um, these patients are then referred to the outpatient clinic and do things like group therapy and repeated um, follow-ups to ensure you know, and help encourage them in their sobriety. Um, and so it's one thing to say, okay, well, I'm going to give this patient Suboxone and you know, shepherd them through their withdrawal state. It's another thing to, you know, then just discharge them and say good luck to you. You know, if you have a kind of a warm handoff for these patients and a place to go, um, that that's very important. So, you know, I would say, again, this is uh, not necessarily something that's ready for every OBS unit or even every every hospital. You really need a robust kind of outpatient treatment setting for them. Um, so, I don't know. You have any other thoughts on no, that? No, I um, I totally agree. I think. The uh, opioid epidemic as a problem kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. I think um, 
in, in the realm of creativity that uh, you can use uh, the observation space for this this requires some some amount of uh, thinking outside the box what I think um, a lot of folks uh, may jump to the conclusion is you know like you know what are you using what, what are you observing right right and um, you know one the goal is to have a warm handoff and although you know Emma didn't talk about this or Dr. Sizemore didn't talk about this that much but uh, there's a portion of patients that actually uh, end up having to be admitted out of the observation unit. So it's not like you just sit there, send them there to sit. Uh, one of the uh, indications, I think you, you probably mentioned this, uh, your, your contraindications is like a dual uh, intoxicant. Right. Right. So like if it turns out like, you know, you're tremulous and sweating, not just from opioid withdrawal, but, but from alcohol withdrawal, then you need to be admitted. Right. Right. So. Yeah. And I would say that would, that would be kind of the biggest um pitfall, I guess, in this is you, you really want to screen as effectively as you can for co-ingest, not only co-ingestions, but co-dependence. Mm-hmm. Um, and quite often we see folks that are addicted to opiates are also addicted to benzos or alcohol or cocaine or something like that. Um, you know, the good news about this protocol, you know, as a clean protocol is, you know, opiate withdrawal is not life-threatening. Right. It's very uncomfortable for the patients, and uh, a lot of them, if they present in moderate to severe withdrawal, are not patients you can just see in discharge. You know, a lot of them are vomiting, they're unable to keep down fluids. So, uh, from that standpoint, that's actually something we can treat very easily in an observation setting. You know, you can give them mm-hmm. fluids, you can give them antiemetics, you can give them, you know, antispasmodics, you can give them. Uh, you know, an- an- anxiolytic medications, but the important thing I think is to screen for the, the benzo withdrawal. Um, you know, other uh, in- exclusion criteria for us obviously are suicidal ideation or ingestion. You know, obviously any kind of unstable vital signs. Uh, you know, lab abnormalities that otherwise would need to be admitted. But it's a fairly it's a fairly focused uh, protocol. It's basically folks that come in either with uh, you know complaint of withdrawal wanting to get off of opiates and uh, are, you know, either denying or you're not finding evidence of other substances. Um, You know, the second bit is it really needs to be um, folks that are wanting to get off opiates. It can't just be, you know, anybody that comes in with an overdose that gets Narcan. I mean, obviously you can counsel those patients, but if they're not showing readiness to change, if they're not showing the desire to, um, come off opiates, then it, then it really is not a good use of the resources. So what are we doing for these folks? From an observation standpoint, it's basically symptomatic care, as I mentioned. IV fluids, we've got uh, a list of medications, including clonidine, uh, antiemetics, basically symptom-triggered treatment. Uh, and then our nurses are doing the clinical opiate withdrawal scale, and this or COWS, and this is something that's probably easiest to um, easiest to just look up um, okay. it's a we'll put a link in the show notes exactly it's one two three four five six seven eight nine ten uh, ten different physical exam findings or um, patient reported symptoms uh, from things like sweating, restlessness, body aches, uh, rhinorrhea, uh, GI upset, those kind of things. And it's scored on a 
zero to five scale for each of those things. Uh, and then there's, based on your total score, there is mod- mild, moderate, moderately severe, or severe withdrawal. And so our nurses are charged with uh, calculating the score on the patients uh, at regular intervals just to kind of monitor how they're doing. Uh, and then our toxicologists are consulted when we see these patients, and they usually will come see them, and then they're the ones that actually have to write for the Suboxone. Um, some of the patients are getting repeated uh, doses of Suboxone, depending on how bad their uh, withdrawal is, and uh, most of them, as Dr. Sizemore shares, um, are I think all the patients we've had so far are discharged, uh, and I'll talk about that in a second. second bit is... Um, most of them are discharged in under 24 hours. We've had a couple stay a little a little later than that if they need redosing, and some of it is just coordinating with the toxicology team. In terms of percent discharge, you know, obviously we aim for you know for the unit 70 to 80 percent uh, discharge. This is a type of protocol where we're really shooting more for about you know 90 to 100 percent. You know, this is again, uh, you know, opioids not being something that is uh, life-threatening, and this is a withdrawal usually you can shepherd a patient through in, in an order of, you know, 12 to 24 hours. So, you know, it would be some sort of extenuating circumstance, or maybe there is some other withdrawal that gets unmasked or something like that. But and I actually think that's a good use of the OBS unit. Yeah. Uh, in in uh, making sure that the people are appropriate to follow up in clinic. Uh, you know, when people are intoxicated or withdrawing, they may be altered, right? And they may not tell you the, the whole story anyway. That's so, true. Uh, I think that's uh, valuable information that we well, get. Well, and, yeah, it's, it's really, again, why the OBS unit is there. You don't want to rush some of these people out of the ED. You don't necessarily want to leave them in the ED to kind of go through their withdrawal and mm-hmm. do kind of a poor job of symptom management and then kind of kick them out. Because chances are, if they are on the cusp of wanting to get off of this, if their symptoms come back, they're just going to go back to using. Um, and then... The, it, Depending on where you're at, these aren't necessarily patients that need to be admitted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't want to necessarily take up an inpatient bed with them. And if you have a focus group of toxicology people or you know other substance abuse counselors that can see them, um, you know, it's it's a good use for the OBS bed. So I, I did, I'm not sure if you saw the uh, there was a New York Times article. Um, I think it was a year ago talking about the uh, the racial divide in uh, use of Suboxone clinics, like in New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, uh, I'm not sure if we're able to get the demographics of the patients in total that come to the ER. Uh, and, uh, you know, I say this with in mind uh, that, you know, the opioid, uh, the opioid epidemic disproportionately affects uh, Caucasian people. But uh, even in places like New York that has a huge diverse population, it seems like uh, when you correct for a lot of the income stuff, uh, the Suboxone Clinic is something that's kind of reserved for for, uh, Caucasian folks. And so uh, one of the things I'm excited about, and this is why I get excited about OBS in general, is that when you standardize this kind of process, like you can work to take some of those things, some of those biases out. Right, right. And that's definitely very important, I think, for our patient population here in Atlanta that, you know, we want to make sure that it's available mm-hmm. to, 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 to everybody, everybody regardless so. of, you know, how they're, how they're mm-hmm. getting their opiates. And so the warm handoff, I think, uh, is great for, uh, making like a standardized process because before, if we just had a clinic, 
um, for Suboxone or a medication-assisted opioid uh, treatment clinic, then, you know, it kind of would be up to the providers, right? You know, and they would use right. a lot of discretion um, in who should go and who shouldn't. And, you know, as, in contrast to CDU, uh, the the amount of decision-making you have to make is less. So, right. Uh, and the toxicologist kind of go through the list. And I think, I think that makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. And I think something for us to pay attention to as this uh, goes forward. Yeah. Good. So, so with uh, with that in mind, um, we're going to get uh, the interview going from uh, Dr. Sizemore and Dr. Wheatley here. Um, if you hear me breathing heavy in the background, it's because I probably messed something up on the audio. <laughs> so, um, but uh, bleep and, out all the curse words. So <laughs> we don't have to have that, you know, explicit rating. We can take that out. Uh, but uh, but yeah, you guys enjoy, and uh, we'll be back with you soon, um, and uh, probably for the rest of the uh, academic year here, uh, with a lot of uh, exciting episodes of uh, Pobscast. All right, and remember. If you don't have OBS, you have got a problem, my friend. All right. Take it easy. Dr. Matthew Wheatley. Good morning, podcast listeners. Uh, this is Matt Wheatley, and I'm here with Dr. Anwar Osborne, as usual. Um, it's been a little bit since we've come to you with a Pobscast podcast, but we've got a special presentation for you today uh, with us today in the uh, quote-unquote studio. It's really Dr. Osborne's office, but with us today is Dr. Emma Sizemore, who's one of our uh, third-year residents and will actually be at Emory University Hospital, correct? Correct. Um, And Dr. Sizemore is going to talk to us a little bit about a project she has been involved with involving our uh, clinical decision unit and our toxicology group. So Dr. Sizemore, tell us a little bit about the project Uh, and how you got involved with it. All right, so um, we have recently started a medication-assisted opioid treatment clinic um, just about a mile from Grady or so. And so we've started a process using our observation unit um, in which when patients present for opioid withdrawals or seeking treatment, we can connect them with our clinic and actually start them on treatment with Suboxone or buprenorphine um, naloxone combo in the CDU, in our observation unit, um, prior to follow-up in clinic. So it's, we've had a lot of success with it so far. It's only been a few months, um, and it's a really pretty cool project. How do patients get into clinic? Patients can get referred to it from the ER. Um, there's posters hanging up in all of the clinics, and uh, our medicine residents and colleagues have been educated on the clinic and how to get people into it. And really, patients can just show up. It's grant-funded. Um, by a grant that uh, Dr. Elena Steck and Dr. Brent Morgan put together. And so it's free treatment for any patient who shows up. And these are patients that are either expressing some desire to get off opiates or on the kind of readiness for change spectrum have expressed that. So this isn't necessarily everybody who comes in who's either addicted or showing abuse of opiates. It's patients that are expressing some desire for change, correct? Correct. And they have to, you know, to be involved in the clinic, there's a contract you have to sign um, saying that you'll go to group therapy and you'll see your individual substance use counselor and you'll see the physicians to um, get, you know, dosed and prescribed the Suboxone that we use in the clinic. Okay. So Dr. Stack had then approached me uh, and Dr. Morgan. So these are our talks, guys, for those of you who don't know. They're wonderful. 
Um, so they had approached me about the use of the observation unit for basically uh, observed medical detox. Um, so we started this program probably back in August of 2017. Um, we enrolled our first patients uh, starting in September. Um, and one of the facets of this is that opioid withdrawal obviously isn't a uh, you know, medical emergency necessarily. You are managing um, basically their symptoms for the first few hours. So the, the order set consists mainly of uh, stuff for anxiety, fluids, uh, stuff for nausea, just so we can review for folks out there, Suboxone, what kind, of, what kind of medication is it and how does it work? So Suboxone is a kind of combination pill um, of uh, buprenorphine and naloxone combined historically to reduce abusive potential. And so the medication, the way it started, so in our process with the CDU, the toxicologists are consulted um, when these patients are identified in withdrawals or seeking treatment in the emergency department. And the toxicology team is consulted and they come evaluate the patient and determine kind of a um, withdrawal scoring. Yeah, tell us about kind of the data that we have so far on, on, the, on the program. So as of about mid-February or so, we'd had uh, 19 admissions to the CDU. So just to give you some idea of the demographics of the patients that have come in, Nearly half of the patients have had some form of outpatient treatment before for opioid use, and um, about a third have had inpatient treatment. Uh, about half of the patients as well, um, their opioid addiction started with a prescription opioid that they were given by a provider. Um, the patients are, the age distribution ranges from like 20, I believe 25 to 65 or so. Um, and it's pretty equally distributed um, over the like 20 to 29 and 30 to 30 over 10 year spans. Um, about five of the 19 were there for an overdose, and I believe half of those got Narcan um, with EMS or when they presented to the ED. Um, 12 of the 19 visits were there seeking opioid treatment. You know, some of them did have concurrent medical problems uh, that brought them to the ER, and then they mentioned that they wanted treatment as well. Most of them have been using opioids for many years. I think our average duration of use is uh, about 10 years. So these are people who have had a long addiction um, before getting treatment or seeking treatment at Grady. Um, most of them have had periods of sobriety of years as well, um, with three years being our average period of sobriety for the 19 patients, or 18 patients, the 19 visits that we've had. Yes, the se so seven of the 19 patients were either in very mild withdrawals or had taken an opioid within the last 24 hours. Then after given Suboxone, um, patients need to be watched for, you know, at least an hour or two to make sure that they're not thrown into florid withdrawals um, in case they had taken an opioid recently as, Subox as the buprenorphine is a partial agonist and will um, overthrow the other opioids on the receptor, essentially. And so most patients in the CDU were given eight milligrams total during their whole stay there. Um, the average length of stay was about 21 hours. So 12 of the 18 individual patients have followed up in our medication-assisted opioid treatment clinic at all, which is a great, it's a huge win. You know, keeping in, people in clinic is a challenge because there's so many um, requirements, such as group therapy and meeting with a substance use counselor regularly, 
But as of uh, mid-February, a third of people who've been initiated in the CDU um, were still following up in clinic. That's great. I mean, uh, amazing statistics and um, really highlights that, you know, the CDU is just a small piece of kind of the overall spectrum of care for these folks. Um, And so really, uh, you know, hats off to the toxicology team for uh, for setting this up. Um, You know, a couple things that I thought were really telling are the number of patients that uh, got into opiates from prescription drugs to start with. And, you know, you hear that story a lot of patients get prescription after prescription, um, and that's how that's how they get hooked. So um, it's, that's really amazing. Um, I know you worked overnight, so I really appreciate you staying and uh, uh, coming and talking to us. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. That's all for this show, guys. Thanks for listening. Check us out at SAEM and at ASAP, and be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast delivery system.